Rolling. Welcome to another edition of Steve's Speed Shop, brought to you by WarrantyWise, the UK's best warranty provider. Get a quote today at warrantywise.co.uk. It's also brought to you by West Coast Motorcycles, one of Europe's biggest retailers of pre-enjoyed Harley-Davidson motorcycles. They're celebrating 35 years in the bike business and have a great range of merch uh, to go with that. Find them on Facebook at West Coast Motorcycles. And it's also brought to you by Minisport, providing everything you could possibly imagine for the classic Mini since 1967. Now, here's the thing. Many people will tell you that they've built a car, and what they actually mean is they have assembled a car from various parts and components um, that they've brought in from far and wide. I'm not denying that that is difficult. I've done it myself. It's hard. It's really hard. But you haven't really built the car, have you? Well, just the other day, you've assembled it. Just the other day, I met a guy called John Hamer, and he has built a car. When there's a car, when, whenever I've encountered a car, wherever I've been in the world, the first thing I'll ask is, what is it? And people will say, oh, it's a, it's a Lamborghini Urus, or it's a Caterham 7, yeah. or it's a Mazda Bongo. Friendly. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just made it up. <laughs> it's just it, something in my head, and I just made it. It's like the Clint Eastwood character from the old Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah. It's the car with no name. Yeah, but it has to have a name for logbook. So... We need to find a name, so anybody who can uh, suggest a really good name, that's what it's having. And they get a free ride in it when they give us a name. So let me describe, I'll describe what I can see, right. and then you'll tell us what, right, okay. what is actually going on yeah. here. So it's a three-wheeler. Yeah. Morgan, Tri- tricycle. A tricycle, it's indeed. a tricycle, yeah. 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 Morgan style, so yeah. two wheels at the front, yeah. and one at the back, the driven wheel yeah. at the back, yeah. which is... I think infinitely preferable to having one at the front. To yeah, well, it's more stable. It's more stable with one at the back than it is with one at the front, like a Robin Reliance. My mate Gary from Ratcliffe, which you'll know, which is another small town near Manchester, um, rang me up one day. This is quite a while ago, and said, "Come round, I've got a car." And I thought, "Oh, because he was he was a two wheel man. He really was. He was he was into his classic scooters, Vespas right. and Lambrettas. He had a pretty good collection of them. He used to restore them himself. Very talented guy." And I went round and he, he sort of had a car because he had a Bond bug. Oh, I remember them. I remember them. And if you remember... Um, they were in the 70s, early 70s, them. Yeah. yeah, I remember them. I'm not that old. It was, well, quite, it was quite old when oh, he got yeah. it. So this was two wheels at the back, one at the front. And he, yeah. we got in it and he set off. And I realised that Gary had never driven a car and didn't really know how to drive a car. Because every time we went round a bend... It was on two wheels. It was on two Back wheels. to his preferred... Uh, was. <laughs> and I said to him... Mate, you're not supposed to go around corners like that in a car. <laughs> and he said, are you not? No. I said, no, the wheel's not meant to lift off the ground. And he was, we were like 17, 18, and he was yeah. like, oh, right, okay, so what do you do? So I kind of, once I'd explained to him how cars went around corners, but I think this configuration, two at the front, one at the back, is yeah. much better. However, yeah. unlike a Morgan, even the new ones that have got that S&S. Yeah, S&S, two-litre engine. The engine's not between the front wheels, it's hanging out the Yeah, back. hanging out the back, yeah, yeah. Well, go on, it's explain a, yourself. Well, I can't really, <laughs> it's just in my head, I don't really know. 
I am a steel, yeah. Well, aluminium. It just fabricates stuff. I work at a place in Bury called uh, K&S Fabrications, which is uh, next to Polish Club at back of East Street. There. We're getting a bit parochial here. Well, getting, there we go. There getting, we go. We're getting but it's uh, very specific I've always I started. Yeah. Me, I started. My dad used to get me Earthix kits, and it went and it just went on from there. I built Earthix kits. Then I started making model boats. Then I made steam engines and stuff. And then and, uh, and I just got to mention this. I'm terrible for going off a tangent, but yeah. when I'm confronted by the world's smallest motorcycle. <laughs> Which you sat next to. Well, I got a, I got a streamer engine and somebody said, make something with that. So I made that and we've had it on road. It does about 40 mile an hour. It's ridiculous. It, it is probably. Where did you get wheels that small? They're off there, oh, actually. Casters. Yeah, they're off a, a kid's scooter. Electric scooter. Kid's electric scooter. And uh, I just fabricated all frame out of aluminium. Made all the tank. Well, I made all the bits for it and just put it together. Took about two weeks to make it, that's all. Whereas the tricycle took a year and a half. So how did this... It's a space frame chassis, two-seater, fully uh, adjustable, independent front suspension. I'm not sure what's going on with the steering there. The steering, well, uh, I was just using two UJs, but the steering was so acute that when I were turning it, it was like going into a well, you know, and it was like it was dipping in a well and then hard to get out. I thought, at 100 mile an hour with that... You ain't coming out of that, you know. So my mate says to me, he said, why don't you use a chain and sprocket system like you used to do on the old Landovers? So I just made and that uh, were it. I had a Mac 1 Mustang, not the good one. Right, right. <laughs> the 70s one. Yeah, the uh, best ones. <laughs> no, a Mustang 2, but the Mac 1 version. Right. And it had originally been sold by Quicks of Manchester, right. which is... Right next to Manchester United, the, the football club, but was the original site of Ford's first factory right. outside of the USA. Uh, the dealership stands on the site of the old factory on Trafford Park, just on Trafford Park. And it had been sold out of that showroom. I mentioned it to somebody who was something to do with Quicks, and they remembered the car, and they said, oh, yeah, that car was test-driven more than any car in the history of this dealership. Right but we couldn't sell it. And one of the reasons they couldn't sell it is because they didn't really switch from left-hand drive to right-hand drive in the conventional way by moving right. the steering column over. What they did instead... Like that. Was chain drive. Yeah. They had a sprocket and a chain running from the left of the vehicle yeah. to the right of the yeah. vehicle. They'd done it to save money. Yeah. It was horrible. Um, I've, I've done it through done it necessity, necessity yeah. really, because it didn't work, and now it's really smooth. Now there's no slack in it. I've made it all in bearings, so it runs smooth, even though it's only turning 180 degrees. It's still on bearings on four shafts, uh, and I've made it adjustable so you can take the slack of the chain, take the tension of the chain, so there's no give at all. The only give is actually in the steering rack itself, which is minimal. So it's very positive. So. I've met some talented chassis engineers in my time and they have honed their craft through many years of study and development. And I've just been back in my shed hitting things with a big hammer. How did you work out the proportions of the chassis? I don't know, it's just in my head. You know, here's the thing, right? Look at the Facebook page, there'll be loads of pictures of this this vehicle, whatever it's called, the car with no yeah, name. We don't know. That, we we, know, we no need name. a name, so we want names for this car. <laughs> That's the best whistle yeah. I could do. The car with no name. There'll be loads of pictures of it on the Steve Speedshot Facebook page. But it's really well done, but I'm just wondering how you worked out the dimensions I don't of it. Know. Was it a 
well, the engine. Let's talk about the yeah, engine. Yeah, yeah. It's a Yamaha it's R6 a, motorcycle. Yeah, engine. yeah. And uh, the bar, I, I bought the bike as a smashed up. Um, there's a story to that as well. The bike. Do you want me to tell you the story? It, it goes sure. on forever. Okay. It goes on forever. Tell but me the anyway, story. Anyway, quickly. I was going uh, up Bury, pick girlfriend up. I was sat at lights outside Crown Pub. I heard this bike coming. He come flying past, I went, that sounds really nice, that bike. I thought, he's going to kill himself, that young lad. Anyway, goes and picks the missus up from her. She says, let's go to Iceland, go shopping. Not I, the country. Shall no, I, no. I she didn't go to Iceland. Speed shop has listeners <laughs> all around the world. When he said go to Iceland from the north of England, it didn't yeah. mean a sea journey. It's a popular uh, frozen food yeah. retailer. So I'm sat at car park, she goes shopping. I hear this bike coming past again. He's going through gearbox. Next minute, the bike come flying past. There were nobody on it. The bike was going on its own. It had wheeled, thrown him off, and carried on. Hit the central <laughs> reservation. I hate to laugh, he survived, yeah? Yeah, he survived, yeah. Tumbled and tumbled. The bike was smashed to bits. In bits, it just put an hole in the engine everything. I bought it off him. That's how it started. You didn't buy, him, buy it off him at the, Smashed at the side up. of the road, did you? You didn't well, say, hey, mate, can, can, yeah, that. yeah, kind of. He said, that's too fast for me, I don't like it. I said, sell it to me. So after a few days, I had it, and that were it. Pull it to bits, and then I just started making it. I saw a P6 Scorpion. I don't know where they made, America, I think they are. And I thought, I'm going to build something like that, that design, but my own design, you know. And so I build... Uh, I build a four, an eight before sheet of ply, put it on wheels, drew a graph on it, and then I could build everything symmetrical. So I had a measurement on a graph that I were building it to. So whatever I built for the left, I built for the right, and then it all worked out symmetrical. Hold and on, it, it's and a it bit ironic, somebody, like, somebody with a three-wheel machine talking about symmetry. Yeah, this but, is the epitome of well, symmetry. Well, well, that's how it was, and it just and it just grew and grew and grew. And it's... And it's it's to where it is now. That's the stage it's at now. So it's all going to be powder coated and then it's going to be painted. All the aluminium. Well, hold on, you're getting ahead of yourself right. here. Before we get onto that, so we've got a tube steel chassis. How do you yeah. bend your tubes? I just bent that, right, with a pipe bender. Very slowly. I marked an inch, increments of about an inch, and I just kept bending it. And I made a piece of wire the shape I needed, and then I just kept bending it and bending it, twisting it, manipulating it, and it was just one of them cheap pipe benders, them Chinese cheap pipe benders. You don't need any hydraulic fancy bit. And I just kept bending it till I got the right shape, and that was it. And then I welded it all together. That's a friend of mine revving up his... Yeah. Uh, Dodge Viper. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. So it's not it at all. What about the the gearbox? The, the, gear, uh, the, the, the swinging arm. And yeah. The, no, the swinging arm I made from scratch. That it's all aluminium. That I made that. And, and did you do it the traditional cardboard box, cutting up cereal boxes? Yes. Every, everything, everything in here, what you see, is made in cardboard first as templates and then made in metal, just to see if it works. But and are, they, are these bits of aluminium off-cuts from the day job? Come on, yeah. the boss isn't listening. Yes, they are, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I love the back wheel. I, I yeah. think I know what it is. What is it? Is it Audi? No, no. It's uh, Mercedes. It's, it's been made out of two wheels. Yeah, I what, what did it, I bought I a set of Audi wheels. No, the Mercedes Vito van wheels. So what I did, I got a set. I bought a back tyre, cut the two wheels in half machined them up so they were identical and then welded them together and then made there's three bearings on each side of the hub so there's six bearings in that back wheel holding it together so what dictated the size 
of the swinging arm? Was it the tyre? It was. It was. Well, it, it started. The it started with making the back wheel first, because then they had to work out where the sprocket were going, where the discs were going, and then how wide the swinging arm was going to be. So it all started from the back wheel, and then it grew from that that way. I always remember when the R6 was launched um, because it had 100 horsepower. So it was 600 cc's, 100 horsepower, and it was getting on for what an F car had been, an F1 car had been about 10 or 15 years before it. Yeah. But um, 10,000 mile service interval. <laughs> yeah. But if you, if, you, great engine. if you notice the size of the back sprocket on there, normally that engine would be a 520 pitch chain. Now that's 630, because obviously it's taking a bit more power to get it going because of the weight of the vehicle. So what I've done, I've geared that uh, sprocket in such a manner where second gear now is relatively first. F first. Yeah. So first gear, it would probably be really quick at setting off, but it will get it going because it has to drag that extra weight of the chassis. It's not a bike anymore. It weighs considerably more than a bike, doesn't it? So effectively, you've gone from a six-speed box, you only use the, the, yeah, the you top could, five. You, well, you'll, you'll use the uh, six gears, but it, you've probably not 30, 40 mile an hour off top end. But I'm not really bothered about top end. As long as it frightens you when it sets off, that's what we're going for. So that's what it's for. <laughs> so obviously it's a sequential box. It's a, you've kept yeah. it as a sequ yeah, sequential yeah. box. Yeah, it's a sequential box, and I've made a lever which goes right up between... Uh, me and the steering wheel there so it's one forward five back like you would in your gears on your feet one down five up that's one forward now and five back but you tend to set off in second because it's it's because there's a much much larger yeah but we don't patch with the we grain. don't know we've never we've never driven it so we don't know what it's going to do yet so hopefully in the next couple of weeks when i finish welding all the chassis up and it's running and i've made up i've made all the brakes then we can have a test run on it and let's see how it goes. That's another so-called friend of mine, Dean. I tell you what, did a Ford Capri ever sound that good? No. Back in the day. But it's not a what's it, it's a Mustang engine, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They always say the Capri was the British Mustang. Yeah. But that is a, mu that <laughs> is a Mustang. <laughs> it is a Mustang, yeah. yeah. Two, two uh, very heavy duty. Yeah, well, actually, if, if, if you notice there's a hole in the swinging arm, now originally that spring was coming up through there and when I, and I thought to myself when I put it on the weight of the engine and two people sat in it it nearly bottomed the spring out so I decided to put two springs on it and then I made the pipe go through the swinging arm then that's a Delcovic front pipe uh, I made the under bit this bendy bit myself and this is I don't know what it's off it's probably off a Subaru or something like that I don't know what it's off but that's what it's off it's just a bad boy uh, yeah it's a bad boy silence silence is not really it's, word, it's it? silent until you get to about 8,000 revs and then it's loud I'm trying to think if you've kept the, the Yamaha engine at the same angle yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So if, you, if you if you look at the signs of the Yamaha, they're horizontal. And that was my data, my data line to go off that one. So I said set the engine on wooden blocks. When that Yamaha was level, I knew it was level, so the oil would be level then. But Is it a dry sump? No, no, it's wet. Because I was thinking, I've seen so many bike engine cars yeah. and talked to the owners and they've said, oh, I've got oil surge issues and this, that and the other. And I said, well, what you should have done, because you don't want to say this, I don't want to be, I know yeah. people put hundreds of hours into this and yeah. I'm just a, yeah. I'm a stick, but 
you're much better off keeping the exactly engine well, that's at the same angle because the oiling is designed Well, to Yamaha have, have designed that in such a manner that that's how it works. So why change it if they've done all the, you know, if they've done everything to make it right in their eyes, why would you change it? And the other thing that they don't do, sorry people who have spoken to with bike engine cars before, is they think you could just use a standard radiator, no. but you can put it in a car no. where it's all in No, well, well, I've done it. It hasn't got ram if you, air and If all you look here, I've got ram air on it. I've only took the ram air system off here because we couldn't get it through the side of the house last night and we've not had time to put it back on. But it, actually, we've got an oil cooler here, there. Uh, is it? No, sorry, that's the water cooler. So this is getting uh, air rammed in it and it's also got a radiator, at the, um, a fan at the back. And then on that side, exactly the same radiator, but it's got an oil cooler, which is built into the filter system of the um, the oil filter. And the oil, the oil filter is also water-cooled as well. So as we're travelling down the road, it's having air rammed into it and fans sucking the air. Because if you look where the seats are, it's getting no air to cool the engine down. So it's going to get it from the side of the vehicle and then be sucked in and cool everything down. You're a motorcyclist, aren't you? Well, not really well. <laughs> I've met, well, look at that there. <laughs> That's a strimmer engine. The world's smallest motors, not the world's smallest motorcyclist. No, no but, but I, I have, I've, smallest... I've had bikes. Yeah, so you know yeah. that the that the engine needs to get air. Oh, of course, it, it needs does. to yeah. be cooled. Yeah. Um, because what's the red line on the R6? It's about 16 and a half, something like that. Uh, I don't know. Where's the clocks down there? They're uh, no, it's only 13. There. 13,000 revs. It goes into red at 13 and then I'm going to edit to that bit out because it makes me sound like I don't know if well, you're Well, it doesn't matter, motorbikes. does it? It, just, it is yeah, what it, it is. But, it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it redlines at 13. Uh, yeah. Right, front wheels. Yeah. Let's come around the front of it here. Ah, so they are... They're the same wheels. Mercedes Vito van. Yeah, but if you see them, look at the shape of them at the back, right, and look at the shape of these here. I machined the face off. I machined the face of that off, so that's flat on that side and the reason why I've done that makes it a bit lighter but when we uh, when we paint these wheels we can polish that face that edge there because they're alley we're going to polish them up so they're gleaming and then powder coat the wheels as well so they look really nice I think they look good now but no, I, no, I, I was going gonna... to try and like redeem myself there by not knowing that the Yamaha R6 red lines are about 13 and not 16 and a half by <laughs> saying are you not a little bit worried machining the wheels that you might you might have weakened them because, no. of course. No, because yeah, the van wheels. Two, and no. two wheels. But the van well. wheels yes, and the van rated exactly. and they're thicker than normal wheels, so it doesn't matter what you take so, off. So what I'm not going to do is say that. Yeah. I, I said I was going to say <laughs> it, but then I remembered not to say it. So the suspension looks kind of pretty uh, trick race car yeah. type. Uh, no, they're just... Off a Westfield or No, no, like all they are them, they're off a, a big quad. And uh, ah, the, right. the wishbones and that, I made myself... I made all the wishbones myself, and these brackets are CNC machined. So which bits of a quad bike have you made the wishbones and the rest of it CNC'd? Uh, just that. that, <laughs> that just, just, just one that. connecting yeah, piece, that's that, it. That, that's been machined on CNC and everything else is all made. <laughs> the work on the on the pedal box and there yeah. on the rails is beautiful. There's a lot of work there. Yeah. That, that looks like, again, it just came out of your shed. No, in, in the best way. Well, yeah, I made all them, but the pedals are actually from... Um, I think they're either from McGill or somewhere like that, McGill Racing Components, but I just wanted the pedals, but I had to adapt them to make it. I made everything how it works like that, you know, the because it has to be cable and the clutch is cable as well, so I had to 
designed, once I got the pedals in my hand, I made them my own then and adapted them to, to suit whatever I needed it to be. Truck you know. brakes or quad brakes? No, well, see the brake, the brakes off, um, they're off a Thundercat 600 then disc. Oh, the bike brakes, yeah. The bike brakes, yeah. But I've got some six pot calipers off uh, an Honda Blackbird. And what I'm going to do now is strip them down and I've got to make my own housings for them out of aluminium because they don't fit. You can't get anything to fit them because the original calipers off that were on the forks off the bike. So what I've made, nothing fits. So I've got to make my own calipers now. So that's another job I've got to do before uh, we take it out for a test run. <laughs> We've got to have brakes first, don't you? Yeah, they're usually, <laughs> they're usually a good idea. And of they course, the, uh, the IVA people, we're in the UK. If yeah. you build something like this, oh, yeah. you have to take it for... I've IV, been to see them. I've been, I've been to see the IVA I've lads. I've been to see them, lads. And uh, I'll tell you what... <laughs> let, let me just explain what it is. It's If you build something that's a one-off... Um, there's a test yeah, and it's test. much stricter than it's an the, MOT, the, than the MOT on steroids test. that's what it is <laughs> it is yeah. yeah they're pretty strict but they have yeah, to be because yeah. this is Britain and people build all kinds they've of got to put their, they've got to put their name on that machine and if it's not fit for the road it's not fit for the road they're putting the name to it. Everything happens. It's down to them because they passed it. So there is a license plate or a registration yeah, well, that's, plate. That's, that's is a plate that the bike one? No, that was the bike one. Yeah. So what's happening? I've just put that on so I made that bracket. But what it's done now, uh, DVLA have sent me all the paperwork because I'm doing it legally, which is supposed to be done. Uh, they've sent me a chassis number now. I'm going to stamp the chassis number on. I fill in all the uh, relevant paperwork to DVLA. They get that. They send all that paperwork off to uh, Chatterton at Manchester for IVA people, and then they get in touch with me and say, bring it down and MOT it. But they were really helpful people. I went down to see where the light should be and everything else, and he spent a good hour with me. He went in office, he printed everything off what I needed to know, and then we went through an imaginary MOT with him. They are, because I think some people think that yeah, the, not. the IVA yeah. stations are there to stop you no. from modifying your vehicle or stop you using a modified vehicle. Yeah. But I found them kind of they were very helpful they were helpful yeah. they were helpful as long as you didn't take a death track yeah, you know, yeah. They, they, they told me some of the vehicles that they oh, had yeah. in where yeah. the weight distribution is like 80 20 and people want to know why they aren't allowed yeah. to take well, it this, on the road. if you look at the setup on the brakes here we've got a bias bar on here which uh, we cannot the brakes have to be something like 60 40 I don't know exactly but somewhere around that but I've made them in such a manner where you can alter the percentage at the front or the rear at the same time by turning the bias bar and that'll alter how much pressure each one gets the two wheel the two front wheels work together and the back one's independent because put on I the mean, same pedal <laughs> what can that be me when I, you can when it, I'll tell you what when it's done I'll get in touch with you we'll go out in it well I'll tell you what my mum and dad live at the end of your road All right. so you go down my dad's got um, he's got a Renault Megane and uh, he's very proud of it, dark right. blue. He's like, for 14 years, it's passed its MOT every year. If you knock on the door and said, can you tell Steve that the, uh, <laughs> yeah. whatever, the, the car with yeah. that name yeah. is ready? But we're going to have to get a name, so whoever's listening, who name it, we choose that name, they'll get a free ride in it. You're listening to Steve's Speed Shop with me, Steve Berry, and when I decided to put out a new season, of this show, I wrote a long list of people that I wanted to talk to, and right there near the top of that list was a chap called Andy Saunders, right there with the great and the good, real sort of legends. To me, this guy is a legend. I first became aware of his work when he built a car, a Mini, with two and a half feet cut out of the middle. Mini Ha Ha, it was called, and it was on the front cover 
of uh, Street Machine magazine. It's got to be 40 years ago now. Since then, he's built many, many incredible cars. This was... I really enjoyed talking to him. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Saunders. I think seaside towns tolerate eccentricity. What do you think? That's a very good question. I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I think... Well, OK, I think you can get away with a lot more in a seaside resort because they're set up for entertainment. You know, you go to Blackpool, right? If you oh, walk, yeah, if you, happens yeah, Blackpool, if you, doesn't it? You walk down the street at 9pm on a Friday night, stark, naked, barely anybody would pay attention. The sort of thing that would get you arrested in London or Manchester or Birmingham or Glasgow. Yeah. You can get away with in Skegness or Blackpool or yeah. Pool, where you're from. Yeah. Oh, you couldn't get away with him, Paul. <laughs> well, mind you, there's no police here, so you wouldn't get arrested either. <laughs> well, I've, I've looked at so many of the, the old... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. Have a look. Put Andy's name in, Andy Saunders Cars. In, not the comedian. I accidentally brought up that comedian who's got the same name as you. He's not very funny, is he? I, I, you know, I didn't know there was. See, I'm not very good on the internet, so I, I know there's a bloke that does Christian studies under my name, which is um, something I'm not into. <laughs> there's a best selling author, he writes. Uh, Dan Brown type uh, novels. They all have three word titles like the Romanov prophecy or, or the the Bohemian tragedy. All and they all have Chrome writing on the front cover. You can buy them in airports. And it's called Steve Berry, and it's really annoying. Oh really? Yeah, because he's got steveberry.com and steveberry.net yeah. and all. It's really irksome. even my website's .net now because I couldn't get an English one. <laughs> We should talk about. We should talk about. So the reason I brought that up is because I've seen footage of you um, driving run aground the the boat car or mini ha ha along mm-hmm. the front at Bournemouth or Pool or wherever you are. Hardly mm-hmm. anybody gives it a second glance, and you think that's one of the craziest things <laughs> I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Why why, why doesn't it stop? Because anywhere else they would these vehicles and and most of the vehicles that you built. And I'll ask you. I'll put you on the spot. How many vehicles have you built, Andy? Um, it's funny you ask that question, because if you'd have asked me six months ago, I wouldn't have had any idea. But um, I've just done a, a magazine feature for Street Machine um, on a Peugeot that I built last year, a 39 Peugeot, and he asked how many it was. And I said, I don't know, I said, that's probably sort of getting on towards 50 or something like that. So we'd done this phone interview um, one night for an hour and a half, and th- we'd done the same again the next night. And it went on that he'd actually take me for about 30 hours. Um, and I had to research um, all the cars that I'd built. And it's actually the Peugeot, which I finished last year, was my 57th car. Is that Metropolis? Yes, yeah, Metropolis, yeah. That's the car that looks just a shorthand for people. Like it was, and I'm going out on a little bit of a limb here, like it was inspired by the Fritz Lang film Metropolis, the famously sort of thing. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Uh, what, an, what an astonishing vehicle. T- tell us about that car, Andy. Um, hold on a minute, I've just got a chat come in. I'm in the middle of a radio interview. Can you come back at two o'clock? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I'll, d- I'll do the question again, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. It's so quiet here today. It's the first time the door's home. <laughs> Metropolis is, uh, well, you describe it. Metropolis um, was a 39 Peugeot um, 202 pickup, which was found in 2014 buried in a hedge um, in France, and they think it had been there since World War II. And wow. It was 
dilapidated was too good a word for it. Dilapidated was like saying it had been restored. Um, and my mate saw it on eBay and sent me the link, and I looked at it and I just thought, that's just too much work. <laughs> to do that for fun, that's just too much work. Andy, I've seen a picture of it presumably after it was dragged out of the hedge. Yeah. And it looks like it's been at the bottom of the English Channel. I know. Well, there's a picture on my website, um, underneath the pictures of it finished, of the floor. When I took the the rubber mat was still in there, although it came out like a bit of old lino. And I pulled it out, and there is just a talk tube. There, there is nothing else. The whole floor pan of this car was rubber floor mat. Anyway, I, I looked at it and I thought, no, it's too much work. I'm not, not interested. And the shape was rolling around my head all afternoon. And I, I looked at it and looked at it. I went back on eBay and, and about 7 o'clock that night, I phoned a guy up. And uh, it was in France and he was English. And um, he goes <sighs> over there and locates these weird cars. And um, it, it was 700 quid. And I just thought, I, I can't miss that. I'll, I'll do something with it. And then it got back. It arrived on an aluminium um, uh, uh, recovery truck with a hydraulic tip bed and the guy put the tip bed up until it was like ready to launch a missile and and it wouldn't move it, it wouldn't come off we had to tie it to a concrete tree up the back of the garden and drive the truck forward oh, hold on yeah so you had to instead of driving the car or or backing the car off the vehicle you had to back the vehicle out we from underneath the, the car the vehicle forward the out from underneath of it yeah where do you start with a vehicle like that Andy? Um, well, I'm just doing the same at the moment. I've just started my new one, and it, the easiest way, as because as, I'm self-taught, um, I, I, I've not been to college, I haven't learned anything through a body shop or that. I'm, I'm just self-taught because I like doing what I do. And one of the things that I have learned is, especially with something that bad, just strip it completely. Strip it so there's nothing left. What you don't want, throw away, and what you know you're going to keep, keep, and... If you've got rid of everything, like every switch on the dashboard, every little bit of wire, every grommet, just get rid of it because you're never going to use them again anyway. And then you've got an old new canvas, so to speak, and then start putting it back together again. You've, um, I mean, the car itself, um, obviously it's French, it's 1930s, and it has a, a very Art Deco shape to begin with, but you've really, you, this is a car that you, lots of the cars you built, you've, you've transformed until they're almost like indecision the, the Citroen CX I mean I I couldn't see that that was a Citroen CX once you finish with it no I've just bought a CX we'll come to that in a second um but with the Peugeot it looks like what you've done is I mean it was it was a pickup truck it was a utility vehicle yep. but they'd still made it very stylish you people think that the modern particularly in America uh not craze, but enthusiasm for pickup trucks and for sport trucks and great-looking trucks and luxury trucks is new. Have a look at a 1930s Peugeot pickup. Mm. Way more stylish than it had any right to be, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. That one was completely unique from what I understand because after I bought it, before the guy brought it to England, um, he had a phone call from the, the world... I, I don't know who this guy was, but one of the world's aficionados on, on the history of Peugeot. And this guy... Um, wanted to buy it and, and uh, they put us together and I said to him I've, I've made my decision I, I, I don't care even if there's a big profit in it. I've, I've made the decision in my head it's already built I've just got to catch up with it and he said let me tell you some history about it anyway um, he'd checked out the chassis number and the chassis number was 1939 so it was really early production and he said we 
He said, I know of every single model Peugeot that was ever built for motor shows and everything else. He said, that vehicle is not in any Peugeot catalogue or history. He said, the chassis, enough, the chassis number is early enough for that vehicle. He said, and this is, this is quite rare. He said, it's very rare and it will be unique. But he said, occasionally, when France was occupied, um, the, the German hierarchy, such as the SS and the Gestapo, would occasionally draw... Um, pretty vehicles and they would make they loved Peugeot and they controlled Peugeot and they would occasionally get them built um, under duress by the workers of Peugeot and he said I think that vehicle um, is probably of German um, descent because all 202s were actually built as completely utilitarian and they had a wooden pallet on the box uh, on the chassis row at the back um, purposely for collecting grapes from vineyards their whole purpose was grape um, collection vehicles, so they didn't have any pickup bed at all. And this is like a fleet side with full radius fender skirts on it. So it was quite an eyeful to start with. Um, and what, what I'd done when I'd done it is, I'd, firstly, it's been widened by three inches because it's now on a, a Ford Ranger chassis. So it's it's to do with the IVA test and all that business. Andy, Speed Shop is listened to in, uh, I think, 43 countries around the world. Hopefully a few more after this one. Um, can you explain what IVA... I, I know what IVA is. I've had to take a motorcycle for IVA, but you've probably been there many times. Hey, well, I try not to. I'm, lear- I'm learning how to get around it. The IVA test, or Beaver test, or whatever it's called this week, um, is a complete waste of money that the government have brought in to um, try and outlaw modified cars. Now, there's a controversial effect. Hey, we don't shy away from a bit of controversy on Speed Shop. Um, <laughs> so, you, it's basically, if you build a one-off vehicle, you, you're obliged to take it for an IVA test, and it's a yeah. much stricter, tougher test of the vehicle's street ability than, than well, the annual MOT test. Well, i um, on the Bentley, um, when I um, chopped that Bentley Mulsanne um, back in 2003. And I, I roof chopped it and made my own roof with a, a glass moon roof and everything in it and made it look like a prototype. And when it appeared in the Daily Mirror, um, I had a, a letter straight away from Swansea saying that they'd noticed that the car was roof chopped, etc., etc., etc. And um, could I fill in this form? And I filled in this form and, and sent it back. And I had a very nice letter back from the lady saying, thank you for the information. It's all clear. Carry on using it. There's no queries. Right. And then um, in 2008, um, I attempted to take my number plate off of it, which I'd had from when I was 17 off my first car. And because it was on sawn, it had to be inspected. And uh, this guy come down and inspected it and read all through the blurb and then said, because it's roof chops, he phoned me up the following day, he said, your number plate's been transferred. He said, but we've cancelled the V5. Um, and I thought it was some kind of joke. I said, well, why's that? And he went, because it's been roof chopped. And I went, you put, uh, what? difference does that make to anything he said you cannot roof chop mo- uh, a monocoque body shell he said without having this test anyway to cut a long story short it went on for months and months and months and months and i ended up having an iva test at that time um and it was inspected for eight hours by two chaps so a 16 hours test and it failed on 48 items oh. um about 38 of those being lights um, three of those duplicating themselves altogether because it was non-reflect, no reflectors fitted, reflectors of the wrong colour, reflectors of the wrong shape, just to make the numbers up. The actual fact that it had been roof chopped um, was completely and utterly bypassed by both of them 
and not even the door shut rubber was removed to have a look. Do you actually think, Andy, that there is an effort to stop people from using modified vehicles on the road? And, yeah. and, and, and why would you think that is? I don't know. I suppose it's because it's, it's more of a crime than drug dealing or, <laughs> or <laughs> selling, selling illegal substances outside of schools, isn't it? Obviously, driving a modified car is just horrendous. Sk- the, the, skateboarding the, the, is not a crime and neither's hot rodding. Say again. Skate, remember they say skateboarding is not a crime and it neither is hot rodding. No, that's course. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're both on the underground now. <laughs> so, no one wants to associate with us. Yeah. <laughs> so th- that vehicle, Metropolis, and we'll move on to the others in just a sec, um, for me it highlights everything that you've done. Um, it's got a little bit of everything that you've done in the last, what, 40 years of building custom yeah, cars? Yeah, I started when I was 16. I'd done a, a Mark One Escort called Bird Puller with my oh, dad. Hold on, I thought Jagged Edge was the first car. No, it was one before that, Bird Puller. Jagged Edge was, I actually built that with my dad for him. The funny thing is, again, we're going to have to explain for our uh, eclectic worldwide audience. When we say bird puller, there is no cruelty to, uh, no. <laughs> to any, sort of, no. any sort of living creature. No. Back, back 40 years ago, it was okay to call a car bird puller. You couldn't do it now, could you? Not, Not really. <laughs> well, you could, Andy, but you'd probably end up in, in the Guardian That's and certainly right. on the BBC. Um, because you, a bird puller meant it would attract attention from the opposite sex. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And how harmless that was, wasn't it? <laughs> well, back then, yeah, but let, let's move swiftly on to, to Jagged Edge, which was... And, and that car, um, and all of these cars, just go to andysaunders.net, and he's got a fantastic website. It's really well designed, as you'd imagine, really well laid out, and it includes a lot of the work. that It's not just pictures, beautiful photography, by, by the way, mate. It's not just pictures of the finished vehicles. There's pictures of the process. You can see what a car like Metropolis looked like when it got dragged out of the hedge, and then how amazing. Oh, the detail work is phenomenal. AndySaunders.net. But Jagged Edge really was of its time, wasn't it? Sort of big, wide, with his slot mags on it, with, like, red backs and all that, sort of, and uh, cherry bombs and... Well, it had a Jag IRS to start with because that was the that was what everyone used to put in the in the Morris Miners and Ford Pops and Anglias. So, but you started off with a Jag IRS on a Jag, which is quite unusual. It, no one else done it, which was <laughs> just like the Jag IRS was in its own little cradle, and, and when you put it in something else, you took the cradle away and then just built a cross member. Um, so that's what happened with with Jagged Edge at that time. It, it had its own rear axle, but um, de caged. Um, and chromed and, um, and and jacked up, and it, it looked it looked good at the time. So back in the day, um, I'm just going to explain to people what, what the period we're talking about when Andy was building and his dad were building Bird Pull and Jagged Edge. There were two custom car magazines in the UK: Street Machine and Custom Car. Now get this, they were in the top ten best-selling magazines in the UK. Mm. I don't mean car magazines; I mean everything. The two TV guides, Radio Times and TV Times, were always first. Then it would be a woman's magazine, Woman's Own. And then it would be, like, Street Machine, like the fourth or best-selling magazine in the whole of the UK. The number of people, Andy, that actually bought the magazine compared to the number of people who built and owned the cars was ridiculous. There was a tiny number of people building these cars. There was a huge audience for the magazines. Why do you think that was? Well, I, I think, in a way, like, custom cars were everywhere. One, they're, they're back in the 70s, when I was, like, a teenager, I was, I was born in 63, so 73, 
um, I, I was 10 years old, and, and there wasn't a road anywhere in England that didn't have one mild custom car because, you know, the, the escorts with the jack-up kits and, and wide wheels on the back, it was so simple to do, but when you, when you did it, you had a car which just, like, was better than the one next door to you. So it was everywhere like the the magazines hot car um as back as as early as the 70s were showing all the metal flake aerosols that you could get and it was just there it was just like what young people did young boys did especially young men was you know it was a, a male culture predominantly um but it was everywhere what do you mean it was a male culture predominantly it was a male culture well, it wasn't was. it you yeah. called your car bird puller for well. goodness sake <laughs> <laughs> right i'll describe I'll describe the, the, the typical car that you would have seen in Street Machine or Custom Car. Uh, a Popo in Anglia with a Rover V8, a Jag IRS, Cherry Bombs, Slot Mags, Exposed Engine, um, Chain Link Steering Wheel, Deep Button, Wine Velour Interior. That, and yeah, here's the thing. Your cars were... After, after Jagged Edge... Your cars were a world away. Did did you deliberately think, right? Okay, that's what everyone else is doing. I'm going no, to do. I'm going no. to do the exact opposite. That's a funny question, actually, because like Bird Pillar was was pretty much the um, stylized car that you've just described. Um, Jagged Edge was a follow-on from that. That was never for me to drive because I wasn't old enough to drive a 4.2. So that was actually done for me, Dad. Um, and, and we used to go to car shows. It was really funny, actually. Like when I was sixteen, my mum used to roll up. My, we had a little camper van, and we go to these rod runs for the weekend. And I wasn't old enough to drive, so Dad would drive the camper van, and my mum would turn up driving an escort called Bird Puller <laughs> with me sat playing status quo next to her. <laughs> and then my uh... dad had Jagged Edge, and we'd done a few shows with that. And then after that, really, I'd done the escort pickup, which was. Um, kind of the steps I'd pick up, which was kind of a, an intermediate. And then I always had this idea for a Volvo Amazon, which I love the shape of. Oh, yeah. That was... Oh, what a fantastic job. What a and, great car uh, that was. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's still in existence. That lives up in Lincolnshire Way somewhere and is in, in a private collection. And it's just perfect now. Whoever restored it is, is just done. That wow. was in its... Oh, you, you've got to look the part when you're driving the car, because a lot of your cars, like... Well, let's move on to runner ground because well, where the move on, I've just got to say you, you mentioned earlier because I, I, this is I think possibly my highest accolade. Um, I, I've been in the Guinness Book of Records three times and I've, I've done all sorts of exhibitions and that. But I think my highest accolade, talking about restoration, um, is four years ago a chap in Ireland um, who has uh, a son with um, Down syndrome. He is a mini enthusiast, and he found the shell of mini ha-ha in a field, um, in a farmer's field, and he knew immediately what it was. He calls it ha-ha, and he knew immediately what it was, and he paid three and a half grand for a shell. Hold on. Um, Tell us the story. Tell people the story you don't know, because obviously you and I both know, because I've I've still got that front cover of the magazine imprinted on my brain 40 years on. You built the car. Mini ha-ha was a, a... Mini that was shortened by two foot seven. Let's think about that for a moment. Two foot seven out of any car is quite a lot. Two yeah. point two foot seven out of a Mini is is like a third of the length of the car. It was the um, the length that it, the I've always learned to try and do things easily. Um, although I'm making myself a lot of work, I look at it and think, well, if I do that, that'd be easy, and if I do it like that, and the length of two foot seven was the length of the floor pan for the people in the back. So 
So I removed that, and then the box section that runs across the car to hold the front seat got welded straight to the flange that holds the rear subframe, um, which made it a lot easier than making it two foot six. How did you make the doors fit? Oh, that was a little bit of work. <laughs> There's been hundreds of them since, and none of them have ever... The, the, I don't think I've ever seen another short Mini with doors because they just cut the roof off and weld the doors in because they, you can do that in an afternoon. I'll tell you what but, was clever as well, I thought, that you kept the sliding windows because yeah. obviously it'd be a real problem trying to drop the glass down into the modified door. I did do two others after that. I did, I did another two Mini Ha-Has. One of those is in California. One of them is owned by a lady um, called Maureen in Scotland. And she bought it off for me in 2000 and still has it. And it, she's just had it um, put back on the road this year, which so is quite cool. how the heck did Mini Ha Ha get from being all over television, in the Guinness Book of Records, on the front cover of one of the best-selling magazines in the UK? How did it end up in a field in Ireland, well, just I, a I shell of it? I sold it to um, a chap. Um, I had it about a year, maybe 18 months. I can't remember because it was so long ago. But um, I sold it to this uh, guy called Oliver Johnson, who had a, an exhibition in Port Rush, um, and it was called Motor World, and it was kind of like a museum, but it was kind of like an exhibition that changed its cars frequently, and he had kit cars and old cars and all sorts in there, and he saw it on BBC Top Gear oh. when, when Sue Baker was doing Blimey. the... Sue Baker did the interview with me, and... Um, it, it was great. Uh, he contacted me. He wrote me a letter and he said, uh, I'm interested in having Mini Ha Ha over here for this exhibition. And subsequently, off it went. And it stayed over there for three months. And then he phoned me up and he said, Andy, I can't give you Mini Ha Ha back. He said, Mini Ha Ha is motor world. He said, they, they don't come to look at anything else. He said, I've had pens, printed T-shirts, stickers, you name it. It's got Mini Ha Ha in it. He said, how much do you want for it? So um, back at the time, I, I got £2,000 for it, which was like, I think when I bought it, I'd give 50 quid for it. So I'd, yeah. I'd rung the bell and off it went. And then I went over there for a couple of years running to different shows for him and with him and done some TV work for him and that. And um, and it, it was there. And then Port Rush Motor World closed and I knew that it got sold and it got sold to a chap called Ronnie, someone or another, who was a, an ex um, Irish rally driver and he used to take it to stock car meetings and do stoppies with it and wheelies. Yeah, because hold on a second famously Mini Ha Ha would do a, the equivalent of a motorcycle stoppie, i.e. lift the back wheels off the ground if you slam the front brakes on but yeah. would he, is it true Andy would he also wheelie in reverse if yeah. you gave it the means? I, I, uh, there was a nightclub in Paul at the time called the Mariner's Wharf which I used to frequent because it wasn't far from the house and if you went over there and there was a big queue of people in the summer and I went over and there, I'd like wheelie at the length of the crowd and that and then disappear and this then go is back what, for Andy, point. this is so great because this is what these cars are for. Yeah. We didn't build them to, to preserve them in aspect, to, to not drive them because you might get a scratch on it or you might chip the windscreen. We built them to impress men and make women want to... Yes. Datos, he said, he said politely. <laughs> so the fact that you use... My dad, my father met my mother because my dad was banned from Bury Pallet, where, get this, uh, Lemmy was a member of the house band, the Rocking Vickers. Right. And the, uh, the DJ was a very well-known and very famous British um, car enthusiast. He was called, his real name's Dave Griffin, but most British people knew him as DLT. He was uh, the DJ. My, okay. my dad was barred for fighting. And she said, your dad used to sit outside 
on his triumph, picking out the dirt from underneath his nails with a flick knife. And I thought he was great. <laughs> you know what I mean? My dad, my dad, even though he was banned, just used to ride his triumph down there and sit on it outside. You know, he, Corbin, he did look a bit like... He actually doubled for Montgomery Clift in a movie, my dad. So he was quite a good... You know, he was a pretty decent-looking guy. And, you know, he just went down there on his triumph. And that was enough. My mum thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll fancy a bit of that. So I'm so glad to hear that you used your cars. I've got to say that never happened with Mini Ha-Ha. <laughs> Well, here's the thing: a lot, a lot of custom cars are built. Um, a lot of custom cars, the majority of custom cars, are built to look cool. But your cars, a lot of your cars, are just unusual. They're just like they're just to be. I think the point is to be different, to just make people's jaws hit the floor. So please, 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 can we talk about Runner Ground? Because it's, it's yeah, one well, of my favourites. I've just got to finish Mini Haha. Mini Haha was restored over four years by a guy called Andrew Shaw, and he's done it for his son, um, who's the steward with Down Syndrome. He's given it to his son. Um, it's over here this weekend in England at the um, Castle Coombe 60th birthday of the Mini, um, and he has done it concourse. And, and that's an event that's sponsored by Minisport, who are one of the sponsors of Speed Shop. So, yeah. yeah uh, so that's... What, the, what's, the, the what's the date? It's, it's, it's the only custom car in England, as far as I'm aware, that has been put back. He's had the headlights done in green candy. He's had someone do all of the graphics, exactly how I did it. It is 100% better in its finish than when I did it, because like when I did it, we undersealed up in the wheel arches with a brush, and... He's had it all done in two-pack. And the thing is concourse, but it's concourse as I built it. And it was launched, re-debuted last year at this exhibition in Bewley, and it stayed there for three months on a pedestal. And I'm just taken back. Wow. Um, Taken back to taken back to enormous amounts of work late into the night in your workshop for little reward. Yeah. All those years later, someone values it enough to do that work, and it is just fabulous. And I actually asked at Bewley, I asked one of the uh, writers from a classic car magazine, and I said, does this actually make it a classic now? <laughs> yeah, because it's been restored. And, and, right. and restored. I mean, I was with a, a, an, another of our sponsors um, a couple of weeks ago, and he's got the oldest Ford Escort in the world. Right. And the finish and the fit of the car is appalling. I mean, if it was ever restored, you would alter all that. You would you would get rid of the horrific yeah. panel gaps that are completely... Right. The bonnet on one side is you couldn't get a cigarette paper down between the fender and the and the bonnet. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you could get a cigarette packet sideways yeah. down yeah. the gap. It was different back then. <laughs> it was. like If you look at early Volkswagen Bay windows, if you find an original one that hasn't had paint, it's as wobbly as Le Mans. <laughs> And if you restored it, you'd make it not that, which kind of is going away from what it really was to start with. Let me let me tell you why I want to talk about the next car. On on, on Sundays in the UK, there used to be, and apparently the Queen was was very keen on this program. Uh, a show on British TV called Bullseye. It was presented by a guy called Jim Boyne, who I actually got to know because I used to cover the radio show that he did when he wasn't there. And uh, he actually taught my wife maths. He'd been a maths teacher before he was on TV. And at the end of the show, the Grand Prix... It's based on darts. Darts and general knowledge, not not to... A, it wasn't exactly mastermind. But darts and general knowledge. And at the end of the show, the winners would potentially win... What would they win, Andy? I don't know. I never saw it. A speedbot. 
the, so, so there'd be oh, yeah, two two guys, two guys who were from like I've never owned a TV. <laughs> well, t- two guys, you're too busy building cars. Two guys from Leicester, you know, or some land, somewhere equally landlocked, sort of, you know, Birmingham or, <laughs> or Leeds, right. would be presented with a speedboat, which just and I thought, well, what use is that to them? They can't. It's not like they can drive it down the road, but. <laughs> You built a speedboat that you can drive down the road. That's right. Yeah, there's been several several of those now built, but um, mine was the first. Well, it's funny because uh, do you watch Roadkill on the Motor Trend channel with no. the, those two guys, Freiburger no. and Finnegan? Right, so the, I do. I've watched every single one. I think it's probably the best uh, car show on TV. And uh, Although it's not on TV, it's on the internet, like all good things. And they pulled over at the side of the road once, and there was a speedboat that had been made into a car, and they were like... This guy's a genius. I can't believe that somebody's... And I was thinking, hold on a minute. <laughs> As with most things, American people, I think you'll find that we, the British, thought of it first. <laughs> when did you build Run a Ground? Uh, 1984, five. And, and what came first, the boat or the car? Uh, the idea came about, and I started to look for floor configurations, or we'll... we'll configurations because I've never done chassis work because I, I, it doesn't appeal to me um, I, I specialise in the body work and I was looking around and I thought I was looking at like mini floor pans and the Hillman Imp and all so I thought if it was a Hillman Imp or a Beetle we could have the engine stuck out the back and then and I thought I looked at this I, there was a guy who had a speedboat for sale in his front garden and I went to have a look at it and it turned out he was actually building them and they were called a Monbar and I went over and it was about 700 quid brand new and I, which which was a lot of money when you're going to cut a load of holes in it. And um, I said to him, I said, I'm interested. I said, but I, I'm really looking, do you know of any second-hand ones? He said, and I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, tell you what, he said, let's have your number. He said, because occasionally we get one out of the mould with a gel coat defect. He said, and we just cut them up because they're of no use to us. That would be ideal for you. Anyway, it was only about three weeks later. He phoned up and he said, I've got a perfect hull. He said, but the deck is, it looks like a cabbage. Um, he said it's all just blister gel coat. So I went and got that, and the actual V of the hull was actually quite pronounced on it, and I thought, if I used to rely on three-wheeler, I can actually hide the front wheels, and that way, if I emphasise the back wheels, it's going to look like it's sat on a trailer. Um, and, and that was the idea for the Reliant. And then I found a Reliant Rialto that had just failed its MOT, um, which I gave a tenner for. Um, a tenner? Yeah. <laughs> And, and that was it. it's like claustrophobia. When I built claustrophobia, that was a tenner. That was just on its way to the scrapyard, and it was the most rust-free little body show you'd ever seen. But it was a scrap car, and that's what they were making at the time. So the record kept going between other people, and were, were you sort of were you lurking in the wings, thinking, no, not "Oh, ju- hold on, I, just I just you wait, <laughs> yeah, just you wait." I put it all behind me, and it's really funny actually. I read a quote the other day about real creative people. Um, and it says real creative people have no thought whatsoever for what they've done, only what they're working on at the time. Well, I've always been like that. As soon as I finish one, I'm bored with it. So the thought of building another lowest car in the world, I, I got older and I just thought, you know, that was, that was the younger days. I'm not going to do it. And then I was asked if I would do a promotional build at Beauty Auto Jumble um, in 2006, a three-day event. And with like a, a turnover crowd of like 33,000 people that could come and watch if they wanted to. And we decided to make it a real big double whammy to do the lowest car in the world. Um, and Flat 8 was built in three days um, on 
um, at Beauty Auto Jumble. And it started at, we had a press call at 7.30 on Friday morning with um, me and Jim Chalmers, the other engineer chap that were with me, and Doug um, Brain from, um, he's the main interior designer for Aston Martin, works with Aston Martin, and he was doing our stitching for us. And it was just amazing. We had this photo call, the three of us, um, next to a pretty little yellow Fiat 126 Biz, which I chose because of the height of the engine. I just didn't want any mechanical alterations. It just had to be the lowest power plant there was, and it's a little two-cylinder water-cooled. So we chopped it up and put it back together in three days, and I actually sprayed it with just a, a real quick washover of red for the event. Um, on stage, it was on a table, and then it was lifted off. The, the criteria was it had to be on the floor for 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Well, the, the tent by then was absolutely rammed. There was like 3,000 people, I reckon, waiting to see what this thing was at, if it was going to go under the Guinness Book of Records. And we kind of thought it was, but having said that, we were building it on like a kind of wobbly bench, so right. it, was, it was up at our waist height. Anyway, we lifted it off, and it was measured um, by... Uh, an official Ginsburg Records person. It wasn't Norris McWhorter, was no, it? No, it wasn't, no. <laughs> it was, it, I can't remember who it was, but they, they took the measurements, and it was 20, I can't remember what it was, no, 20, 21 and a quarter inches. Is, is that street legal? Um, yeah, that was street legal. Yeah, wow. we, drove, we drove around the, the village of Bewley that <laughs> afternoon, three of us, but me and Doug sat on the back and Jim driving it because he was the shortest. <laughs> right, I'm not going to ask you what's your favourite car, because I know what a guy like you is going to say the next one, but... Yeah. I'll have to tell you which one is mine, the Lancia, the Lancia Stratos. Oh, right, yeah. Because, like so many kids, I had the Matchbox model. Yeah. And then to see it, to see your build of it, just tell us about that car quickly, Andy. Well, that, that, was, um, that came about, but some of my cars are, are planned um, with, with real meticulous detail, and others just happen. Um, the one that I'm just started now it has just happened, and that, that's going to like blow everyone's minds, I think. But um, the, the Lancia Stratos Zero, uh, my dad was in hospital and I was sat there with him on a Sunday night and he had all the magazines there and I was looking through. And for sale in Florida was this little black and white picture of the Lancia Stratos Zero. And I can't remember how much it was now, but it was something like about $9,000. And I looked at it and I just thought, that can't be right. That can't be right. I thought the thing was still in the Bataille Museum. Um, anyway, I got back and I tried to get hold of him and I, I ended up speaking to the guy on the, the Monday and I said, you know, th this is a zero, isn't it? Like, I'm I'm so good with detail, I can see that that is a zero. And he went, no, it's not. It's a, a film prop. And I said, um, well, why is it so good? What, it's just like, it's incredible. And he said, have you um, ever seen the film Moonwalker? Moon, Moonwalker? Uh, Michael Jackson? Was that Moonwalker? Moon Summit, I can't remember. I've, I saw it once. What a load of rubbish. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but there are so many rubbish films with great cars in them, aren't there? Well, you only see the Lancia Stratos Zero for about 45 seconds because it metamorphoses into Michael Jackson or, or vice versa. I can't remember which way round it is. And it's in a shadow form. He contacted Patone and said, I want this car for my film. And they said no. They said yeah. it doesn't ever leave the factory museum. That's where it's staying forever, which is 
since not because it's since been sold. Is it Marcello Gandini the des- the, the designer? Uh, of it? Yes, I think so. Wasn't because it? I mean, for me, it is. I am such a massive Baton Batoni, whatever we pronounce it, fan. I've had so many Batoni designs, whether it's a Lambretta GP, a Lambretta Vega, a Di Tommaso uh, Mini, mm-hmm. uh, a Fiat X19. I once very very nearly bought a Ferrari 308 GT4, which nobody else likes, but I do because it's the only Baton. Ferrari. So for me, the Stratos Zero is the pinnacle, the epitome of what makes Batoni design cars and Gandini cars cool. Cars from that period, which I could just like, I would just be so proud if I designed. One is that, and one is the um, Ferrari Modulo, which is that thing with a big glass canopy that slides forward. The wheels are like fully fender skirted, but with holes in, so they're not really um, stunning. The, The both of them together are both so wild 70s that is unbelievable so when the shell arrived from the states what sort of condition was it in well it turned out it had um some because it had been done they they made three of them apparently um i've since spoken to the chap that actually built them somewhere along the line and i it's a bit misty but somewhere along the line what i understand happened is that batone took a set of molds off of it and sold them to michael jackson um they wouldn't let it out of their touch but the detail on the car is so correct. It is so correct that it had to be moulded from that car. It's not someone... You couldn't mould that in clay to make a buck and, and get it that perfect because it is that car. So somewhere along the line, there were three body shells made, um, and this one was the one that was driven, and they made a box section chassis with a little um, Ford straight-four-tuned engine in it, and the body was... There was no window holes or anything. It was just hinged at the back... The person got in it, and it literally on the film drives about 300 yards, and then it becomes Michael Jackson. Wow. Um, and I got that car, and it turned up, and it, it was... Some of the fiberglass was a bit rough. It, you could see it was done quickly, because the, the fiberglass mat was dry. But it was all there, and it was as straight as the die. So um, I, the first thing to do was obviously cut window holes in it, um, cut the front door out and make hinges so that that moved, and then basically restore it as though I had the original shell. What about the glass? Where did you it get a windscreen? It was all perspex because it was flat. It does look great though. It looks, it, it's flat perspex but it doesn't look like it. No, the the screen on the original one um, is I, hang on a minute the screen on the original one is actually glass and it has the most minuscule curve on it. Now you can get one off glass made but it's, it's millions of pounds because you have to go through the same process as if you're going to make 10 million of them. Yeah. Um, so I, I just did it in flat perspex because I, I think unless you saw it next to the original car, you'd think it was correct anyway. Um, and then floor pan-wise, I started to measure around for floor pans and um, just down the road, there was a Fiat X19 um, for sale. Down, down How appropriate. Batoni yeah, design. absolutely perfect. It was, it was just down the council estate, down the road, and someone had vandalised it. And I got, got it, I bought it and got it back. Um, and uh, it was the most rust-free example you've ever seen. So I, I strengthened that up and cut the body off and then mounted my body over the top and then made a dual... If you look at the original one, it's got like a, a, a removable, like quick-change sort of diff set up in the back with a double exhaust coming from one side. And because the X19 didn't have that configuration, it was basically transverse. What mm. I'd done was had an exhaust box made, the same as the original one, but with two exits on the left and two exits on the right. 
and it was it was as near as you if you see the pictures of the two that they've never been together but there's one really good book with pictures of both of them in um, that I have in my collection and the only way you can tell the difference is um, mine I cut the window holes longer because I was sat further back than the original and I just couldn't see out of it I, I, <laughs> I drove it about four times and I it's, it is the most frightening thing I've ever tried. Andy, we could, I could literally, and I do mean literally, talk to you all day and probably well in tomorrow, into I can't tomorrow. I believe it's an hour gone already. It seems about seven minutes. Yeah, it's <laughs> gone. We are absolutely, go- you, absolutely going to get you back on speech. You, you're saying that the next thing you're going to build is is absolutely mind-blowing, yeah? It's going to... It's, it's, um, it's a Delahaye. Right. Ooh. That's it for another edition of Speed Shop, which is brought to you by Warranty Wise, West Coast Motorcycles and Mini Sports. See you next week.